How hard are we willing to work? How much of a change do we wish to make? Who are the ones responsible for this open-air prison where we now live? The banks and Big Pharma are way out of control. Do you sense a change in the air? Do you know who you are and where you are going? Because if you don't, then they may have you already. Let's take control. We are the juggernaut of change. Hello again, everybody. It's Graham Hayward, Juggernaut Podcast number two, um, April 28th, 2010. Tonight, I think we're going to talk about a little something um, that's different. It's uh, uh, It might catch some of you by surprise, but it is, uh, it's interesting anyway, to say the least. What I will read to you was written by a gentleman named Dan Sewell Ward. Um, he has quite a few accolades here, but anyway, he holds, uh, a PhD in nuclear physics from the University of Texas at Austin, as well as a bachelor of engineering science from the same university. Um, I'm not going to go through all his accolades, um, but they are extensive. You can look him up yourself, um, at your own leisure. It's pretty amazing some of the um, parallels he's drawn with something that will, uh, if anything, it'll it's going to make your head spin just a little bit because it has a lot to do with uh, a fairy tale which we've all grown up with, and it's called The Wizard of Oz. I'm 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 going to read you some excerpts from what he. Um, has penned and and I I sort of I, I hate to do that because I do, I don't want to uh, um, bore you for lack of a better uh, um, explanation but it's it's interesting and you can do your own research on it and it parallels a lot of what I I had touched briefly on in the last or the first podcast uh, about uh, big banking and the uh, oligarchy the international oligarchy, which currently controls not only the United States, because it's not just our, our problem, but it's, it's a world problem. They control the world. Um, so anyway, listen to this. Uh, send emails uh, to uh, juggernautkings at gmail.com. That's juggernaut, which is the, uh, obviously the name of the uh, podcast, Kings, K-I-N-G-S, at gmail.com. Please do not hesitate to send uh, all commentary, questions, concerns uh, to that address, and I will try and make sure that we answer all those uh, uh, questions, concerns, uh, etc. Uh, on the next uh, podcast and all ensuing podcasts as well, because that will be the uh, crux of, uh, of these shows. Uh, you guys will drive these shows, hopefully. 
and um, I, I will be a uh, I'll be a puppet in your hands, and um, hopefully I can extend a little bit of information, but um, drive your thoughts and concerns uh, through the uh, ensuing podcasts. It starts off here with a little uh, prefacing uh, blurb, which is uh, pretty interesting. People cannot say that they did not receive notice. Notice is given sometimes by books or movies such as The Wizard of Oz, 1939, The Matrix, 1998, V for Vendetta, March 17, 2006, and The Truman Show, 1998, starring Jim Carrey, whereby Truman, Carrey, discovers the truth and finds a way out of the corporation that intended to take care of all his needs from cradle to grave in exchange for his life in the fiction world. Herein lies a study of The Wizard of Oz in which notice was given and remains current even to this day. The Wizard of Oz was produced as a motion picture in 1939 by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, book by L. Frank Baum. Many people believe that The Wizard of Oz was and is an allegory for the radically new state of affairs that existed in America in the 1930s, following the stock market crash and the bankruptcy of the United States government, which occurred immediately thereafter. For all extents and purposes, it can still be viewed as the current state of affairs inasmuch as the allegorical nature, the clues strewn throughout the story, are still relevant today. The initial setting of the story is, of course, Kansas, the geographical center of the USA, and the symbol for the heartland of America. The tornado twister that arrives is all about the whirling confusion that existed after the stock market crash, the theft of the country's gold, the U.S. bankruptcy, and the Great Depression. The Twister takes Dorothy and her dog Toto into a new artificial dimension above the solid ground of Kansas. Upon their arrival, Dorothy notes, Toto, I have a feeling we are not in Kansas anymore. Right on, Dorothy. After the bankruptcy, Kansas was no longer Kansas, but now KS, an artificial corporate venue of the bankrupt U.S., a newly established federal territory and part of the federal zone. Dorothy and Toto were in this state, which according to redemption in law implies they were for tax jurisdiction purposes in the District of Columbia, a.k.a. United States, whereas Kansas is not included in this state. K.S. is. One of the first entities Dorothy met was the Scarecrow, who represented the legal straw man, which had been created as an artificial aspect of the former American sovereigns. The legal term straw man describes a fictitious or artificial person created by law at one's birth via the inscription in all capital letters on the birth document certificate. The latter being document of title and a negotiable instrument. It is allegedly by way of the straw man that the creditors of the U.S. bankruptcy can so effectively and legally take for their own use the benefits of individuals' labor, creativity, talents, and productivity. In the movie, the Scarecrow describes his straw man persona by noting, 
Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Of course, I'm not bright about doing things. The Scarecrow then succinctly describes himself in the classic song, If I Only Had a Brain. The lyrics include, I'd unravel every riddle for every individual in trouble or in pain. The translation is that for every individual who discovers the existence of his or her legal straw man, all political and legal mysteries, complexities, and confusions begin to be resolved. And once that same individual takes legal title to his or her straw man, he or she can protect themselves from legal trouble or legal damage. The Tin Man arrives next on the scene, i.e. the Tin, T-I-N, Taxpayer Identification Number, man, is a hollow man of metal, a vessel, or vehicle, the newly created commercial code words for the straw man. Just as the scarecrow straw man has no brain, the tin man has no heart. Both are artificial persons. Natural persons are created by nature, while artificial persons are created by human laws for the purposes of society slash government um, parentheses, bodies, politic, or corporations. One of the definitions in Webster's Dictionary is counterfeit. Thus, the Tin Man might also represent the mechanical and heartless aspect of commerce and commercial law. As they are reputed to say in the Mafia, nothing personal, it's just business. The Tin Man also carries an axe. Did you ever wonder about that? The axe is a traditional symbol for that which is above a king. In this case, commercial law, i.e. corporate rule, is above the sovereign. It's not a nice connotation, any more than the axe powers of World War II included Nazi Germany, Italy, a fascist state, and Japan, or the more recent access of evil, coined by President George Bush in 2002, but curiously not yet applied to Cheney, Ashcroft, and himself, the ABCs of such. The Tin Man, expressing relief after Dorothy had oiled his arm, said, I've held that axe up for ages, and perhaps he is still having to do so, for the symbol for fascism is the fasces, a bundle of rods with an axe bound up in the middle, but with its blade projecting. This fasces may also be found on the American Mercury head dime. The Roman deity Mercury was the god of commerce. And on the wall behind and on each side of the speaker's podium, in the U.S. Senate, each gold facies being approximately six feet in height. At the base of the podium of the seal of the U.S. Senate are two crossed facies. Hmm. And I may not have pronounced that word quite uh, right, F-A-S-C-E-S. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I don't want to digress too much. Let's uh, get on with it here. It's pretty interesting. Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Man are soon joined by the Cowardly Lion, known as the King of the Beasts. It's surprising to find one so cowardly. It appears to represent the once fearless American people who had lost their courage, the courage to denounce the U.S. bankruptcy and inform its creditors that they were not the chattel that could be used as collateral for the monies allegedly owed. Of course, dealing with the IRS tends to leave most of us in the cowardly state, but that is due in large part to the heartless, brainless actions of an organization operating strictly under the laws of commerce. In order for Dorothy and the gang to find the wizard, the supposed answer to their prayers, they had to follow the yellow brick road. In other words, follow the money. 
the trail of the gold taken from America and find who had absconded with it. It's important to recall from the beginning of the movie that the wizard was represented by a traveling mystic, a Professor Marvel, whom Dorothy had first encountered when she ran away with Toto. The Professor Shingle claimed that he was acclaimed by the crowned heads of Europe, past, present, and future. That's quite a claim to include the future, but seems well justified in that the wizard is still acclaimed by the crowned heads of Europe. Before the banksters looted America, they had already disempowered the monarchies of Europe and looted their kingdoms. And with the human skull atop the perch above the door to his wagon, the wizard began to lecture Dorothy about the priests of Isis and Osiris and the days of Egypt's pharaohs. Between 1916 and 1933, most of America's gold was rounded up, aided by President Franklin Roosevelt whose physical problems may well have symbolized America's crippled state. The gold went to the Federal Reserve Private Bank and was shipped off by the Fed owners to England and Germany. This was accomplished because of the fact the Federal Reserve notes could be redeemed in gold and their use carried an interest penalty that could also only be paid in gold. The U.S. traded its gold for paper, while its previous currency, United States notes, carried no such interest requirement. When the U.S. bankruptcy was declared in 1933, there was the added caveat that all Americans were required to turn in all gold coins, gold bullion, and gold certificates by May 1st. Our heroine was Dorothy Gale. Did you know her last name? Or that a gale with the impact of water as well as wind is considered potentially more powerful than a tornado? In any case, when she and her friends emerged from the forest, they were elated to see the Emerald City, only a short distance away. The Wicked Witch of the West, desperate for the ruby slippers that Dorothy was wearing, knew she had to make her move before Dorothy and the others were inside the walls of the Emerald City. But what was so special about Dorothy's slippers? Was the Wicked Witch an earlier version of Imelda Marcos, or something else? Obviously, Dorothy's red-colored ruby slippers were the same color as blood, as in flesh and blood, thus symbolizing a living, breathing man or woman, i.e. a non-corporation or a natural person, as such her slippers also symbolize private, as opposed to public. Even a social security card uses a red serial number signifying the private side account and its attachment to the public side. It is likely the ruby slippers symbolize the blood in the veins of the American people as opposed to the citizens of the United States, where the blue and black ink on a birth certificate is the corporate blood. The Wicked Witch wanted the lifeblood of the human beings, not just the straw men. Her tactic was to cover the countryside with poppy flowers, i.e. the source of heroin, opium, and morphine, symbolically dragging Dorothy et al., into unconsciousness, and then just step in and snatch the slippers, i.e. dull the senses of the American people, and then slip in and swipe the gold. The drugging worked on Dorothy, the lion, and Toto, the flesh and blood friends, but did not affect the tin man, the artificial persons, and the scarecrow. The latter two cried out for help, and the good witch of the north came to the rescue with a blanket of snow to nullify the narcotic effect of the poppies on Dorothy, the lion, and Toto. So, who's the good witch of the north? Perhaps, 
Perhaps that remains to be seen. The identity of the Wicked Witch of the West is pretty clear. Recall that her counterpart in the first part of the film was Almira Gulch, who supposedly owned half the county or maybe half the country. Miss Gulch had arrived at Dorothy's farm with an order from the sheriff, an executive order from President Roosevelt, demanding that Toto be handed over because allegedly he had bitten Miss Gulch. Despite Aunt M's assertion about Toto, he's really gentle with people, that is. Miss Gulch pressed her case, saying that to withhold Toto would be to go against the law. When Dorothy refused to surrender Toto, Miss Gulch lashed out with, If you don't hand over that dog, I'll bring a damn suit that'll take your whole farm. 70% of the attorneys in the world reside in the West, America. 95% of all lawsuits in the world are filed under U.S. jurisdiction. The Wicked Witch of the West, Miss Gulch, was dressed in black, the choice of color for judges, robes. Thus, she represents judges and attorneys, essentially the American legal system, including the attorney-run U.S. Congress. These are the executioners and primary henchmen for transferring the wealth of America from the people to the banksters. The bar has a curious history. It represents the body of attorneys, counselors, judges, and the members of the legal profession. It has been alleged that the Black's Law Dictionary, for example, is copyrighted British law, and that so-called American Bar Association is a branch or subset of the Bar Council, the sole bar association in England and Wales. As the copyrighted property of a British company, all state codes in the U.S. are commercial, private, British-owned law. Attorneys may be even worse, if possible, than we thought. Apparently, the Wicked Witch of the West is nothing more than an operative of the crowned heads of Europe, who are owned by the banksters, and desperately wanted not only the precious metals of America, but the lifeblood of America's labor. Her counterpart, of course, wanted to take Toto. The word Toto comes from the phrase in Toto, which, according to Black's Law Dictionary, the British rule book, is in the whole completely. In other words, she wanted everything. Once Dorothy and the gang had encountered the mighty Wizard of Oz, they initially fell for the illusion. But with Toto's aid in pulling back the curtain, they quickly realized the wizard was nothing more than a con man. Even when he supposedly helped the Scarecrow about getting a brain, he cited the land of E Pluribus Unum, which is Latin for one out of many. This phrase appears on the American $1 bill, but might be thought of as converting the many into one, i.e. establishing the new world order. The wizard was also supposedly amenable to taking Dorothy back in his balloon, but ended up leaving her behind. Fortunately, the good witch of the north, Santa Claus, <laughs> stepped in to tell Dorothy, you don't need to be helped. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. All she had to do was use her slippers. The contention is that everyone has the right and power to reclaim their sovereignty, but just forgot. The actual act of reclamation, the remedy and recourse, is telling the banksters that you are no longer collateral, i.e. filing with the Secretary of State, because the IRS is an accountancy firm and collection agency for the private Federal Reserve Bank, having been constituted under the UCC, Universal Commercial Code, 
at its inception in 1954 and operating strictly in that realm ever since. Filing or not filing income tax returns becomes an interesting study in itself. Just be sure to do your own research. The title of the movie also carries a message. A wizard, of course, is a very clever or skillful person. Oz, on the other hand, is an abbreviation for ounces, OZ, which is always the unit of measurement for gold, silver, and other precious metals. Even for large quantities of gold, etc., the amount is expressed in million ounces of gold and not tons or pounds. In the end, Dorothy, i.e. the American people, and Toto made it home. There is, in fact, remedy and recourse in law. It's there, disguised, camouflaged, and coded. Why do you think states call their statutory laws codes and not laws? It's a matter of learning the law, all of it. It's the necessary condition for becoming sovereign once again. Unless, of course, you'd prefer to continue to be conned by the banksters. The Wizard of Oz is a really delightful movie. The fact that it symbolizes one of the worst episodes in America's history of the denial of freedom or justice should not be construed to imply that the movie and story are not entertaining. In fact, once the symbolic nature is seen and understood, it is a simple step to smile, take the next step to go beyond it, and go forth as if you knew where you were going. It's all just part of the fool's journey and the strange path we have chosen to fulfill our diverse and unique destinies. We always have that choice. It's called free will. Okay, it's over. I hope I didn't bore you too much. But you may want to check out the UCC, Universal Commercial Code. It, it is real. It's true. And uh, it has a lot to do with the, uh, the maritime law, which is present in, the, um, um, in this country at this point in time. So you may want to check that out. Um, look up uh, some Jordan Maxwell. He has a lot of great information. And again, send some emails, send some response back to uh, uh, juggernautkings at gmail.com. Juggernautkings at gmail.com. J U G G E R N A U T K I N G S. Juggernautkings at gmail.com. And don't take my word for this stuff, you guys. Research yourselves. And um, it reminds me of a great saying that my grandfather used to tell me. It's a shame they can't lay you down and pour it into your head with a funnel. And he meant knowledge. You know, knowledge is power. It really is. And we need to get out there and do some research and get our collective consciousness growing. So until the next podcast... Everyone take care and keep those cards and letters coming. All right, we'll talk to you later. Peace.